Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AG Chase Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coastal Mississippi. And Mississippi, for that matter, such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, back uh, back in December of 2020, um, I had the opportunity to honor here on the show Governor William Winter, who had died on December the 18th. And part of the sadness of his death, actually, was that he died in the midst of the pandemic. And we really didn't get a chance to celebrate his life, you know, the way it should have been celebrated. I, I referred to him as a statesman, as a good man, as an honorable man, as someone who's one of the most gracious people I've ever had the opportunity to be involved with. Uh, he championed education and racial reconciliation in this state and made so many other impacts. What he did for the Mississippi Department of Archives and History is incredible, really, if you think about it. 50 years of, of board of trustee involvement and a, a huge inspiration. But again, we didn't get a chance to really honor him. As a publisher of the Sun-Herald, I had many opportunities through various public events to come in contact with William Winter. Uh, probably the most significant opportunity was uh, when Governor Barber put the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal together. He was an advisor, attended our meetings, and just, again, such an incredible leader. Uh, with all that said, there's actually going to be a celebration of his life on uh, Tuesday, May the 3rd of this year. The Mississippi Department of Archives and History are going to do it. Former Pr- President Bill Clinton and uh, former Governor Haley Barber are going to be there to celebrate not only Governor Winter, but his wife, the First Lady, Elise Winter. And uh, without any further ado, I've invited my friend Haley Barber to join me today. We're going to talk a little bit about this event that's coming up, about in- the incredible contribution Governor Winter made to Mississippi. And then we're going to shift gears and sort of talk about the state of affairs and politics and the country these days. Without any further ado, my friend Haley Barber. How you doing, buddy? Hey, Ricky. I'm doing great. You're very you're very nice to have me on the show, but particularly about William Winter. Uh, so my politics and his weren't the same. And I was very much Republican. Very, He's very much Democrat. But everything you said about him, he was a true gentleman. He was an honorable man. He was somebody who loved Mississippi and cared about our state and and did a lot good for our state. So this old Republican is tickled to be here to talk about William Winter and the Democrats. Well, I'm excited to have you back. I should point out that, though, that you, the very first COFU, the very first COFU, over 600 conversations ago, uh, was was Haley Barber, and I really enjoyed the conversation. I was nervous in the service, live radio. I, you know, I'd never done that before, and I've really—I I, I tell you what—I've really enjoyed doing this. It's amazing that over two years, I'm still sitting here in my studio at the house having these conversations, and now also have Super Talk Outdoors, which I love. But this opportunity to share. The, the incredible leadership that we have the the, the honor of having here in, in Mississippi and, of course, coastal Mississippi, which we saw so well after Hurricane Katrina. I'm honored to have this chance, and I really am, I really appreciate you coming back onto the show. And uh, it, ought to be a, it ought to be a great conversation about a wide variety of things. But Governor Winter, what an incredible man. I, I conveyed to Henry when we talked last week, Henry Barber, who is your nephew and who was the executive director of the Governor's Commission. 
when we reflected last week for an hour, we shared some stories about Governor Winter, but he was one of the most supported uh, men I ever met. I mean, he always would put his arm around you and, and talk about how wanting to know what he could do to help you. It's very inspirational. He he understood the role that leaders played, and he did everything that he could, especially after Katrina sort of buoy us up. But um, but you you had many opportunities to to uh, intersect with him, didn't you? Well, I did, and uh, some of them are well-known, and some of them aren't. As you were talking about him, I I think of just a a crazy circumstance that happened back uh, not so long ago in the the 70s. You could fly from Jackson to Memphis, and so I was on an airplane to go from Jackson to Memphis, and then I was going on to Washington. And I was sitting there, and William Winter walks down the aisle. And he says, and of course, he knew I was Republican. I'd run the state Republican Party. And he, he said, uh, hey, Haley, when we take off, come on back here. I want to talk to you about something. And so, you know, he just nice he'd be. So, of course, I went back here didn't have any idea. He said he was on his way to Memphis to meet with an, uh, an advertising, political advertising guy who was, was, was becoming a big star. And because uh, he was thinking about running for governor. Now, he had just run for lieutenant governor, if I remember right, and had lost. Uh, he, you know, he ran for governor several times before he ultimately got elected. Well, I went back and he had a staffer with him and he got him to move so I could sit by him. And we talked all the way for that flight, and he was asking me that I think he ought to run. And I, I Lieutenant Governor, whatever his title was, I, you know, I'm a Republican, and I don't know what people would think if they realized I was giving you political advice. And he he kind of paused, and then I said, but I don't, you know, I don't think it makes a big deal, so I'm glad it visited. I think you ought to run. I think if you look at the potential field, you know, you've run before and lost, but so some others. And so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't give it a second thought if you really want it, if you really got your heart in it. And, of course, here's a guy that has been in and out of the legislature since just after World War II. He'd been in state government for <laughs> I don't know how long, how often. But he told me one time later, that that really made a difference in his making a decision to run for governor. That he he might have done it if he hadn't seen me, but it was it was kind of reassuring to him that here's this kid Republican operative who thinks he's got a good enough chance he ought to run. And we laughed about that many a times. I don't know if he ever told anybody publicly, and I never told very many people. But uh, he and he came and back time and time again and redid the favor for me as we're going to talk about when we talk about the two museums. Hey, so look, even yeah, even back in those days, did you see? Did he have when you're sitting there talking to him? Did you sense that? Okay, our policies couldn't be any more different, but he's a statesman. He's he's a good man. Did you sense that when you were having a conversation with him? You, you couldn't be around him without realizing that he's a good man, that he's an honorable guy, that he cares about Mississippi. I mean, he loves Mississippi. He may disagree on this or that with me, but we we both agreed 
we're going to try to do what we can do in our own hearts and minds that will help Mississippi. We may disagree with what to do or how to do it, but both of us know that's what the other cares about just as much as I do. And and uh, and he really did. And and we're, you were talking about the the dedication for for Governor Winter and the Leagues uh, in in next month. And uh, it, it it all goes back to me to my decision to build the Civil Rights Museum. And I got the legislature my first term to appropriate money for it and to, to agree to do it. And then before the next term started, there got to be a dust up about where to put it. The, the people in Jackson wanted it in Jackson. I wanted it Tougaloo because, you know, Tougaloo College had been one of the real centers of the civil rights movement. It just seemed like that would be better than putting it in the middle of downtown Jackson. Well, the thing got hung up over that. We we, we raised some money and it kind of set. And then one day we went and brought Reuben Anderson, the first black justice on the Mississippi Supreme Court, uh, who when I was a young trial lawyer, he was my judge. He practiced in Yazoo County. He was a judge for Yazoo County. And I knew him very, very well. And they said, we got a solution for you. Don't build it in Tougaloo, where Reuben went to school. We have got a plan to build a Mississippi History Museum that's already all planned out. Put it right by it. Put the two museums together, the Museum of Mississippi History and the Mississippi Civil Rights Museum. What an idea. I did it. I, I proposed it. The legislature passed it. I worried that after I went out of office that the rest of the money wouldn't get appropriated. It did. The legislature never slowed down. It's, it's the only civil rights museum in the United States that is primarily paid for by state taxpayers' money. Most of them are paid for by the Rockefeller Foundation or the whatever, whatever, whatever. We we I can't remember the numbers right now, Ricky, but eighty plus million dollars of taxpayers' money and about twenty million dollars of contributions. And most of those contributions from Mississippians. It's it's not like the Rockefeller Foundation put up a hundred million dollars to build a Martin Luther King Museum in in uh in in Georgia. This is mostly built with not only state taxpayers' money, but voluntary contributions to states. And William and Reuben brought that idea to me. Well, it's fascinating. We're going to continue this part of the conversation and about William Winter's long commitment to history and archives here in this state. It's a truly remarkable contribution. Uh, uh, he's he was he was uh, he was a very significant leader. And we're with Haley Barber, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. Listen live or on demand, and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Uh, we're having a wonderful conversation with my friend, the former governor of Mississippi, uh, Haley Barber. We're recollecting a bit uh, on Governor William Winter, who will be celebrated here soon on May the 3rd as a result of some efforts by the Mississippi Department of Archives and History. He and the former president, Bill Clinton, will uh, will uh, be involved. And I think uh, Judge Reuben Anderson will be as well, actually. That's yes. right. That's right. Reuben. So, um, you know, isn't it, we'll come back to the story on the museum here in just a second, but uh, isn't it sad that during the pandemic, when someone like William Winter dies, that we can't all come together around him in the way you would normally be able to do that, that it just kind of, you know, a, a nice, uh, you know, write up in the paper is about it and, and life moves on. That's kind of sad part of the pandemic, isn't it? Uh, it, it really is. And it's uh, for families that have to go through that, sometimes waiting for months before somebody's actually buried. Uh, it's, it's sad, but it's particularly sad for a state when you have a governor who, you know, our politics weren't the same, but he was a really highly respected person who did so much. You talked about him being on the part of archives and history's board. He was on that board for almost 50 years. He went on, I think, in 1957. Uh, he was, uh, you know, he was a veteran. He was everything you could, everything you could want about somebody. And so, yeah, those are particularly the kind of people when you miss you miss the opportunity to bid you goodbye. So you were you were mentioning that you came to grips with the location for the Civil Rights Museum, that uh, Reuben Anderson and uh, Governor Winter came to you and said, why don't we do two museums in Jackson side by side? Uh, and then, again, you pointed out that you were worried about the legislature being able to continue the commitment to funding and, and whatever, and they continued to do that. But I should point out, and you can talk more about this, we're talking about Republican legislature. You're, you're, you're busting the perception of Mississippi when you say that and, and you talk about funding of a civil rights museum, but they, they got it, didn't they? Well, they really did. And you remember, Ricky, that in my eight years as governor, I never had a Republican majority in the House for one day. And I only had a Republican majority in the Senate for one year. But when this came up uh, and we passed it, my for my second two year my second four year term we passed it and we still had about thirty million dollars to go because we weren't passing all the money at one time and it was the republic some people worried that the republican majority because by then we did have a republican majority and the republican majority wouldn't keep going well I was so pleased they never slowed down uh, and as I said earlier. It is primarily funded by taxpayers' money appropriated by the legislators, Democrats and Republicans, but the Republican majority at the end, which a lot of people in other parts of the country wouldn't expect. And I think it's the respect for William Winter and the, and the, the knowledge that the Civil Rights Museum is very, very important, just like the, the Historical Museum. You know, Santa Ana said, that, a great philosopher, that if you refuse to learn history, you're doomed to repeat it. Mm -hmm. So we want our people to learn history. We want them to learn about the civil rights movement and what happened. I mentioned what happened. I mentioned Tougaloo being a real center. 
you learn from your mistakes. You know, Ricky, I was governor the 50th anniversary of the of the Freedom March and of the of the uh, coming in and busloads to Jackson. Well, I invited all the Freedom Riders to the governor's mansion for brunch. And I got up to speak and I said, you know, guys, this is pretty interesting. You came here 50 years ago and the police met you and took you to Parchman, the state penitentiary. We met you and brought you to the governor's mansion to have brunch. And they all left, laughed. And then I said, and I want to apologize to you. And it was amazing to me how many of those 100 plus people, most of them older than I am now, came up and thanked me for apologizing. They said nobody ever apologized. I don't know whether they ever apologized or not, but certainly they were owed an apology. And and th that's part of part of how I got fully known that this had to happen. William and Reuben were good partners you get. Well, you go back, you go back and read, and we won't we won't recollect all of this, but. William Winter grew up in politics in, in, a, in an age where segregation was sort of the name of the game. And as he continued to mature and advance in the years uh, past, it was really important to him to to be part of, of what, what obviously he ultimately was known for, this whole notion of racial, racial uh, reconciliation. But he also knew that historic preservation was going to be part of the key to that. And he knew that to his core, didn't he, Haley? Well, he did. And, and he, he worked for it all the time. Like I say, he, he was on the board of, of, of the Archives and History from 1957 until he died, he was on there constantly. He was a uh, he, he he again. He believed you need to know the history to learn the mistakes, as well as to learn the great things. And in Mississippi, we've had both. My 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 mother's family were Choctaws, and so when the English and the French came here, my family met the boat, uh, and and we we were. St Still, my mother's generation was still active in going over to the reservation. And she had a cousin that taught at the Indian school. And we learned from the mistakes we made just as much as we learned from the home runs we hit. And, yeah. and then particularly in the civil rights movement, obviously. And for coastal Mississippians, I want to make sure we don't leave this point. When you formed the Governor's Commission on Recovery, Rebuilding, and Renewal, you asked Governor Winter to be a part of that. And when we came up to uh, Jackson to meet for executive session, he was always there, him and Ambassador Palmer. And uh, I can almost picture the room. And that was really important to you, wasn't it? Well, it was very important. Uh, I, I, I appointed to president of the state NAACP. Right. Uh, Derek Johnson. Yeah. And as you know, today he is the national president of the NAACP. But it is important that you try to represent every viewpoint you can. That's one of the problems with politics today that you were talking about. Uh, you want to be sure you're covering the farmers, 
uh, and the people that work off, offshore or the, or the people that work in the oil fields. And if, you, if your governor uh, and have been around politics a long time like William Winter had or like I have, you, you want to make sure everybody gets represented because you'll get the best result. If you got good leadership and every view is represented, that's when you'll get the best result. And it's going to happen every time. So uh, having him was very important to the commission. Jim Barksdale. Jim Barksdale was the largest donor to my opponent in the governor. And I'll never forget when I asked Jim to do it because he's such a great businessman. He said, are you doing this to get even? Or do you really want me to be the chairman of the commission? And I said, of course I want you to be the chairman of the commission. And he was a fabulous, fabulous chairman. He did a super job. And with the help of guys like William Winter, Eric and uh, Johnson, you, you, that's what you're supposed to get. Well, you remember when we met We met uh, down here, one of the things that we urge you to do is not appoint any of us as the chairman, that someone from coastal Mississippi couldn't be the chairman because of the infighting and the favoritism that might be, at least that per- perception that could exist. And, man, when you told us you were going to get Jim Barksdale from Federal Express and Netscape and God knows what else, uh, one of the most successful CEOs in Mississippi's history to be the chairman of this commission with, I mean, just, just first of all, just his leadership swagger that he brings to the table. But the other is his passion and smartness. He was, I mean, you knocked it out of the park. And yeah, as you pointed out, which you said many times, he was, uh, he was uh, Governor Musgrove's largest contributor. What a statement that made. Well, it's, it's really what leadership is supposed to be about. It's you're, you're you're picking the right people because they're the right people to do the job, not because they're your political friend. And I, y'all y'all had a great commission. Uh, I, I I am very proud of it, and of all the people that were on it. And look at the results. Yes, I mean it, incredible. Uh, I, 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 I'm surprised that you didn't have Marsha on instead of me. <laughs> <laughs> She was always so much more popular on the coast, but she, she also sir- was so proud of the results that y'all got. And it wasn't, yeah, we got what me. It was- yeah. Y'all. It's it's incredible. Hey, when we come back, we're going to shift gears. We're going to uh, talk. I'm going to share actually a segment that I wrote about Governor Barber in his book, America's Great Storm. And then we're going to talk about the sort of how do you do bipartisan leadership today? And some of some of the stories of where he's seen it work extraordinarily effectively. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. 
Welcome back to Coastview. We have former governor of Mississippi, Haley Barber, with us today. And we're reflecting in the first couple of segments about Governor Winter. And a lot of story, a lot of stories and a lot of, uh, lot of important things to learn about his leadership in Mississippi. But one of the most important is sort of what the governor was referring to just a few minutes ago. And that is that when, when, even though you disagree philosophically, that your policies could not be any further away from one another. Uh, at the end of the day, this notion of being able to respect the leader and be able to get things done still, you know, some of that's missing in politics today, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that. But what I wanted to do is start this segment with sharing something I wrote about Governor Barber that really kind of speaks to this, speaks to this notion of being able to cross party lines. As he pointed out a few minutes ago, he didn't have a Republican majority the whole time he was governor. How did, how did we do that after Katrina? We needed help from Democrats, both here in Mississippi and in Washington, and a lot of, a lot of anecdotes and stories that come from that. But let me share this little segment with you real quick. This is from uh, America's Great Storm Leading Through Hurricane Katrina by Haley Barber with Jerry Nash that I had the honor of writing the forward to. Here, here we go. In important ways, Haley was made for this moment. His accent and folksy mannerisms com- comfort those who need reassurance that he knows where he comes from. For those in the region, this provides an instant connection with those who, who must believe and trust him. For those beyond the South, Haley's style is disarming, perhaps even an invitation to underestimate him, which serves him well in complicated negotiations to advance the goals of Mississippi communities in need. It's a temporary advantage, though, because anyone who has seen Haley in action comes to respect his extraordinary capacities as a leader and thinker. Behind that friendly, confident exterior is a man with a mind like a steel's trap. There's a driven man who is often five steps ahead of most of us. There's a leader who has an extraordinary ability to inspire others. And as a political insider, as most political insiders agreed, the ideological spectrum can attest. Haley's understanding of the levers of power, and as a result, his access to those levers were unparalleled. I think that captures you really well. I went on to write more about it. But this whole notion of access to levers, it doesn't mean that that lever is going to be a Democratic lever or a Republican lever. It means that you have got to understand where the levers are and be able to form the kind of relationships that you need to be able to form. And we we talked before, but there are a couple of examples of this notion. First of all, obviously, in the state, your ability to work with uh, the Speaker Billy McCoy after Hurricane Katrina to get online gaming, certainly a great example. After Katrina, your ability to work with uh, Barney Franks in Washington and what that meant to the kind of bipartisan support we needed for the kind of programs that needed to come help us recover. And you tell a great story of the time you were in the White House. Uh, that you observed, you know, Speaker Tip O'Neill and President Reagan, uh, you know, Tip having a beer, Reagan with a glass of wine, two great Irishmen, as you as you always pointed out, who love jokes and each other. Um, you know, you have seen the best of bipartisan support. You you understand because of your time as a lobbyist and certainly as governor what it means to touch these levers and what it takes to be successful. You know, when you reflect back, bipartisanship is really the key to success, isn't it? Well, politics is about addition and multiplication. It's not about division and subtraction. If you're gonna if you're gonna win, you got to put together the majority, more than half. And 
And uh, right now, one of the big problems that President Biden has is they're proposing as if they had this big majority. But in fact, they don't have really any majority at all. It's virtually a tie. Uh, usually in American history, when we're bunched up, you know, in the middle, we're not fully divided on the outside. Today, we're, we're split so far apart, you can't imagine. And, and we can't put people together in the middle like you're supposed to. Reagan could. And I'll tell you, somebody else could. Bill Clinton could. Bill Clinton was a guy who lost his majority, but he didn't lose his ability to govern. Uh, welfare reform. Uh, you know, just good government things Clinton did. I, I, I want to just kind of tell you tell you a story that uh, I go, you, you alluded to it, but I don't think many people heard it. I go into the Capitol to see the Speaker of the House. I've just been over to the White House to meet with the President, and I have presented the President our plan for what we say Mississippi needs. So he sent me over to see the speaker, and I go in, and I go in downstairs, and I'm going to the elevator, and I hear this voice say, Haley, Haley. And I look over, and there's Barney Frank, who, who I've only met one time. I, I was on a TV show with him one time, and we were taking the opposite sides. And he said, uh, Haley, uh, I hear you got a plan. I said, yes, sir. I've just come from taking it to the president. He said, I want to support it. He hadn't seen it. He said, I want to support it. And I said, well, I'd be glad to share it with you. He said, yeah, but here's what you need to do. Send me a letter telling me what's all in it. And I'm going to take that letter and I'm going to send it to every Democrat in the House. And I'm going to say, here's a letter Governor Barber sent me asking me to support his plan. I'm going to support his plan, and I hope you will, too. We didn't lose any Democratic House votes. None. And, and because Barney Frank, who, golly, I don't know what I agreed with him on, Barney Frank understood the people of his district in Massachusetts wanted the government to help these people that had been through the worst natural disaster in American history. He knew I knew more about it and knew better what we needed than he'd ever know. So he wasn't going to sweat that. He just said, give me your, your plans so I can ask my colleagues and my constituents to vote for it. That's the kind of attitude people in Congress used to have. And, and, and like I say, Barney Frank wasn't some, you know, uh, softy. Uh, moderate Democrat. I mean, he was he was about as far left as you get. But he understood what his people wanted, and he understood what was the right thing to do. 
And well, we talked about this before, but the, the the aligning of the stars with Trent Lott and Thad Cochran, and you know, I remember the story you told me about Thad Cochran. He didn't want this this plan to be just about Mississippi. He wanted to also help Louisiana. And the, I mean, I, I think about all these players and the roles that they played and how we were hitting on every cylinder. I I, I said to you as well that I knew a lot about what was happening on the ground in, in coastal Mississippi in the days and weeks and months after Katrina because we were involved in it, we were covering it, et cetera. I didn't have any idea that you had been to Washington 19 times in three months. And this life that you, this other life you had as you were aligning Washington and ha- having to overcome what from Louisiana was this ask, this initial ask of $250 billion that created this chilling effect in D.C. and the work that you were having to do to sort of recalibrate all that. Um, it's amazing, though, that all these bits and pieces, you know, political bits and pieces, some agreeing, some not, but all these personalities coming together to help us recover. I, I wonder if you could, if that would happen today. I'd like to think so. I, I'd like to think if there was a, a, a seriously terrible Katrina-like thing, that it would happen. And uh, God, the, 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 having Trent Lott and Thad Cochran, Thad Cochran was chairman of the Appropriations Committee. And I'll never forget, I had a plan for him. He would not put it in front of the committee because he didn't say what we we're going to do for Louisiana. He said, I'm, uh, it's, it's not, not going to look right if we don't take care of Louisiana. So finally, it was very hard to do. But he sat down with the committee and they were in the uh, final passage. And somebody said they wanted to bring up something, and Thad said, okay, I'll be fine. We'll do it right after we take up the Mississippi emergency uh, bill for Katrina, which, of course, they took up. It passed unanimously, and it was a great bill. And, and as you know, Ricky, it, uh, it, it created all sorts of new laws that weren't taken care of. The problem weren't problems weren't taken care of in the existing law, the Stafford Act is called. Right. And Thad made the changes that we said we needed change. And I am very proud that inspector generals like the head of of seeing if you're playing by the rules of two different departments said this is the standard. This is how we ought to do it from now on. And and because yeah, our people did a good job, the chip pickerings, the uh, Republicans and Democrats alike did a good job of getting this of getting this right, and it is now the law of the day is the law that was written for Katrina. I had uh, I had Chip. We're coming to the end of this segment, but I had Chip Pickering on my show uh, a few weeks ago talking about big tech, and he said that when you were governor, you'd bring everybody in the room, uh, for both both congressional delegation and from from the state, and talk about what are the top two or three things that we can go tackle together, and how you went about that was just incredible. Chip Pickering was incredibly complimentary of your leadership. Hey, when we come back, we're going to continue the conversation. We'll see you on the other side with. Uh, uh, former Governor of Mississippi, Haley Barber. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coast View. Have my friend, new former governor of Mississippi, Haley Barber. And we're just reflecting a little bit in that last session about, you know, could we actually pull it off again? The kind of work that happened after Hurricane Katrina. I can't, one other comment about Katrina. I, I'll never forget it, Governor. The, what was so amazing about what you accomplished is one of the first things you did is you took your staff. You had Charlie Williams. And, you know, you said to Charlie, let's make sure that we continue to run this government just like no Katrina had ever happened before. And then you had Jim Perry, who we worked pretty closely with because Jim was focused on planning. Let's, let's figure out what our needs are going to be. And then, of course, you had Paul Hurst, your general counsel, who I, we saw often at these meetings that we went to. He was all things Katrina, but really about recovery. What are our needs today and where, you know, where we're going? Your, your, the willingness to, oh, excuse me, the, the, the fact that you understood that you needed to subdivide your, your responsibilities within your office in that way with these bright, incredible stars that few people really even heard their names before, their roles were incredibly important, weren't they? Oh, they were unbelievably important. And some of the people over at the Development Authority were just, just, uh, it just knocked your socks off. And but one thing that you learn in management is how, how do you solve a big problem? Well, you divide it up into little problems. And that's what I've called myself doing, that I, I, I could see from the first day flying over there, the coast in a helicopter, essentially three things are going to have to happen. And it, it, it's asking too much to take one person and ask him to be over all of that. And so I divided it up into three areas. And then we divided those up, and and we we went we went through the went through the whole thing. But it was critical that we get recovered. We you know to get stood back up. You can't start rebuilding until you clean up. And then it was second that we had to we had to get jobs. We had to get jobs on the coast for people so they could stay. I mean, I believe they'd come back if they thought their community would be would be good. And then the last thing is we had to get the schools back. You, you were talking about technology a while ago and Chip Pickering. Uh, you've really got to get the school situation in, 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 in great hands to make this work. And we did. And, and I'll never forget, you've alluded to this. Right before the tornado, I mean, right before the hurricane, couple of two or three days, I had a big meeting of all the coast elected officials. And it looked like the storm was going to be worse than we thought and that sort of stuff. And so man stood up who I didn't really know. He's the superintendent of Harrison County Schools, big Democrat. He said, Governor, it's clear that if this is as bad as y'all think, somebody's got to be in charge. Now, I'm here to speak for all the Democrats in the room. If you will tell us that you will give us our say, not do what we say do, but listen to us and let us have our, have our voice, we will do what you say. We will make you in charge and we will follow your lead. And they did. Poor Kathleen Blanco over in Louisiana. She had the mayor wanted to run everything. She had put parish commissioners wanted to run everything. I was blessed that when I tried to do those first three things that I thought we had to do, 
those Democrat mayors and legislators were helping. They weren't whining. And Billy McCoy, who you mentioned, made a, said in a speech one time that the, the House never tried to pass a law to say how any of the federal money would be spent. He said that, that was the governor's job, and we worked with him. And they had, that didn't mean they didn't complain sometimes. But that was, uh, that's really, really important is this, the followership is uh, absolute and essential if you're going to have leadership. It's incredible. Um, I, again, listening to Chip Pickering talk about how you brought people together. Just in the past month, you, 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 obviously you'll know all these names. I, I, on Coast View, I've had Joe Cloyd and Marie Sanderson and Ashley Edwards and Henry Barber, of course. And I, I could go on from there. All these leaders that were involved that are still in coastal Mississippi. But what's, in, what's interesting is how so many of these people have gone on to take what they learned during those, those days and they've leveraged those learnings to be better leaders themselves, whether it be in their business or whether it be in the community. It's incredible how how Katrina sort of defined people's lives and their careers. And you had, uh, again, with Joe and Marie or Ashley or Henry or any, any number of others, um, it's incredible how they've gone on to do incredible things, isn't it? Well, it is. And you're very gracious to put those people together with me because they all work for me and I'm crazy about them. But you remind me of something my mother said. My mother said, crisis and catastrophe brings out the best in most people. And God was Katrina and get an example of that. It, boy, it was, it was. Uh, and you also often said that it doesn't create character. It reveals character. But well, we saw that front and center, didn't we? We sure did. That's <laughs> but again, I'll have to attribute that to the truthful author, my mother. Ah, good, good. Hey, listen, Haley, it's been a pleasure to, to visit with you today. And I look forward to seeing more about the, the uh, tribute to Governor Winter. Uh, have a great day, my friend. So go enjoy the Coast View, and uh, as usual, find a way in your heart and soul to think and dream bigger for yourself in Coastal Mississippi. We appreciate you. Have a great day, and we'll see you tomorrow. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.